part of it is attention. It's giving people, you know, the quality of your attention, which is the really listening. Um, another component that I think is quite helpful is this one of equality. And the idea is everybody being equal as thinkers. So even in a hierarchical situation yeah. where some people have greater decision making power, um, for example, everybody is capable of thinking for themselves and um, contributing. So it's that, you know, that respect you accord people. And um, the way you do this in quite practical ways can be things like building rounds into your meetings so everybody's invited to speak. Um, if you've got a just a free for all discussion, then um, research has shown that, you know, a minority of people will take up most of the airspace and, you know, the bigger the group, <laughs> the proportionally the, the the smaller number of people who will take up the airspace and things like this. So having some sort of ground rules for meetings so that everybody gets a chance to be heard, um, really important. So that's another one. Um, Hi, and welcome to the Sunday Lunch Project Manager podcast for Sunday, 21st of January 2024. This is your host, Nigel Creaser, and today we have part one of my interview with Felicity Dwyer, the connection crafter. Enjoy. So I have a number of sponsors, affiliate links um, in the way that it's set up um, that have kindly allowed me to uh, um, share their services really. The first one um, is Mike Clayton and Mike runs PM online PM courses and it is a great resource for um, getting those fundamentals of project management uh, trained reasonably priced uh, and Mike um, presents it in an accessible and um, uh, clear manner um, you can check out some of his um, uh, videos on, on his YouTube channel and kind of give you a view of where they are but um, the the code for that if you go to nigelcreaser.com slash online PM courses or all one word lowercase that'll redirect you to it um, there's very different levels that you can um, buy you can buy individual courses you can buy pathways as well if you like um, and I get a kickback off those uh, Mike kindly uh, shares me that so um, if you do jump on and use it I hope you find it really useful um, I think he has money back guarantees and things like that as well so there's a very limited risk um, on that so uh, Jump on that, and that again is nigelcreaser.com slash online PM courses. And enjoy. I am delighted today to welcome Felicity Dwyer to the show. Uh, Felicity helps individuals and teams to connect and communicate so that people feel heard and understood. Her style is warm, engaging, and inclusive. With Felicity as a, your podcast guest, I'm told, you can expect lively conversation and practical takeaways for your listeners. So this is what I'm being told. So that's, like, we need to make sure we tick those at the end. Uh, she is passionate about lifelong learning and has worked in adult learning and development for over 20 years uh, as a facilitator, trainer, speaker and coach. She has helped people to become great communicator, communicators, managers and leaders. 
she's qualified in numerous development methodologies and works with managers and staff across the public, private and voluntary sectors. And she's got a book, as those watching, you can see in the back there, she has a, a new book out, well, book out, it's been out a while now, she said, uh, called Crafting Connection. Uh, and so we're bound to be talking about that and how we get on with those sort of things. So welcome, Felicity. Thank you, Nigel, and thank you for inviting me on as your guest. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, me too. Yeah, and I'll butcher the intro as I always do. There. So tell us, tell us a little bit more about um, you and your career. Obviously, you've got a long career in helping people, um, uh, as you say, become great communicators, leaders, managers. Uh, how did you get into all this? What sort of well, I'm, I've been self-employed for 20 years, um, but prior to that, I worked in um, the voluntary sector in an organisation that was involved with strategic skills development. Um, yeah. And I could have got that job because I've, I've always been passionate about learning and self-directed learning. Um, so that got me into, in, into this organisation. And I think there was a point there. I mean, I was managing and I was managing small projects at the time and I was managing communications um, within a team. And there was a point at which I realised I would like to be out there working directly with people um, rather than just being a little bit more at the back end desk based. Um, so that's what sort of led me to make the transition out into the freelance world. And there was... Um, there was a point um, in this organisation where we had the opportunity to work in learning groups, so peer learning groups. And um, I just found the process of um, coming together with people across the organisation, sharing our challenges, um, exploring you know, what we wanted to develop ourselves as well as to get better in our roles. Um, I found that process fascinating. And um, we had a facilitator, an external expert facilitator. And I was watching what she did. And not only did I really benefit from being in the group, but I was looking at her role and thinking, oh, that's something I'd like to do. So it's little sparks like that. I felt I had role models um, and she later became a mentor, a colleague. So, um, you know, I've, I've worked with her on and off for the past 20 years, this individual. But that's that's what sort of sparked me in thinking, oh, I could go into organisations and bring my skills in and help other people to learn and connect and work together more effectively. So that was a little bit of the spark behind it. And the, there's plenty more, but that's just one I'm going to share today. Yeah, it's funny how um, uh, you can see someone and think, yeah, that's what I want to do. And it can mm. uh, it, it's, it come, from, come from funny angles, can't it, where you're not expecting it because you won't go into those sort of things think this is what's going to happen. So tell us about that that um, that first time when you started doing that sort of stuff. How did you how did you go about it when you first well, started working for yourself? I think when I started working for myself, I mean, firstly, I think it really helped that I was supported by the organisation I had been employed by because I think that's quite helpful. So um, they did give me some work when I started out and I managed to find a couple of other clients quite quickly because, of course, you do you do have to have more than one client when you go self-employed. You can't just work work for your employer because that might not be looked on um, positively by uh, the tax man. Um, but I think that that really helped. And to be honest, it took me a while to build up the facilitation, training and coaching side of my business because I had been known as somebody who... Um, well, was more of a manager, but also somebody who was responsible for communications, written communication. So I started out with quite a lot of 
writing good practice materials and this kind of thing, uh, topics like leadership and um, I did, uh, what did I do? remember because it's a long time ago work experience setting up a good work experience placement I did training needs analysis so I did a whole um, toolkit on that so I did quite a lot of writing at first and then gradually built up the training side and um, in my 20 years I'm not going to give you too much detail but I I, I have done a few things I had a a coaching practice I ran an ILM centre um, for 12 years just winding that side of the business down and increasingly I've done associate work as well which I quite like because there's less of having to market yourself and more of actually doing the work that I love to do so I think if you are setting up as a freelancer you know you do you'll try things you may need to gradually direct your career in the way you want to go something I've learned and I think it's um, relevant to anyone you know project managers or any other role is um, when you're taking on work, thinking about what am I going to learn from this job? And is it going to take me in the direction I want? Because there is a bit of a trap and I've fallen into this loads of times because we all need to get paid of taking on work and getting known for work that I didn't necessarily want to do. So I think that's something I've learned over the years is to really think a step ahead and think, what am I going to learn from this piece of work, this project? And um, how will that help me direct my career in the way I want and for me self-employment has allowed me to direct my own career but even if you're employed or you're taking on contracts um, project management contracts you know always think a step ahead and think a bit strategically where you can um, where you've got that luxury I suppose of not just having to take something to to pay the bills which sometimes you do realistically yeah, I can see that. It's it's something that I, it's funny. I'm trying to recall. I had a conversation sometime the other day about choosing projects and project that that um, uh, mindset, if you like, of a project manager. Because we're quite often as PMs, we're employees. Uh, quite a lot of different roles, but you're employees within an organisation, and and those. Um, but you, even as an employee, you're you're kind of a freelancer within the organization in some ways, aren't you? Quite often, because it's not like you've got that chain. You're going to be going around lots of different things and you're going to get known for something. And I'm, like my career in the IT, a couple of times you get, um, I'll move into an area. And then if you spend six months there, you become known as the person who does telephony or the person who does infrastructure. And sometimes you be, you're, ability to break out of that is quite hard and i and i suppose the difference in with freelance kind of work and i know that um my brother's a uh, harley davidson mechanic uh, independent works for himself but he's a motorcycle mechanic so people come to him with other things and the other things quite often can be a pain in the backside because they're not that you know what i mean they're not part of his niche um, and he hasn't got, it, well, he has the capability, the knowledge and the things like that. It's just not giving him the same joy that you'd get from the things that he wants to do. And I think that's the same with us as project managers. It's where you do have that choice. Don't just take the next project because sometimes I'm, I, you sit there thinking, I, if it's gone quiet and you, you, you roll onto the next, quite often you're rolling onto the next project while you're rolling off the last project um that's just finishing and you haven't even had time to breathe think about what you learn think about whether it is value 
catch up on the skills side of it that you haven't done because you've been full on delivering. And and, and I hear this conversation with a lot of uh, PMs that I've worked with and, and have worked for me. And it is hard to turn around and go, actually, I don't want that because there's a risk associated with, I don't want that. If you're freelancing, it's, well, it's money. I can't get it out of the crew. It's money. And, or it might be a, a customer that you want to work with, but it's not the thing you want to work with them for them with um and that, and i can see how that can be difficult to make those decisions but from a, a i think it makes you think about that from a leadership point of view anyway and from a manager point of view a whole whole career whether it, it is easy just to go and do the work rather than do work that gives you and that learning is a massive thing some of some of the projects i've learned lots on i haven't realized i was going to learn on and during the time i didn't realize i was learning and really didn't want to be in those projects um but that's sometimes where you get that um you you, you hone your skills in those difficult roles i suppose with you, with you with seeing people where you're coaching in their leadership skills coaching in those management skills what what sort of thing? And, and maybe if, you, if it's projects, as you know, it's project managers is my 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 uh, audience there. But maybe from project managers, what do you, what do you see things that come up commonly where you think, yeah, it's it's this again, it's it's this again, it's this again, and not in a negative way. It's just that it's that common. There's going to be common themes. What do, what do you see, what sort of things do you see? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a few different ones clearly, and it depends on the levels you're working with. I tend to work with. Either first line managers, so people who are directly leading a team, and that might be a team for a small project, um, it might be a different kind of team, and also people um, who are more at the middle management level and have now got the point where they are having to um, often be be that person who's who's managing up, but is also having to communicate down to their team. So they're starting to get a slightly more strategic role, they're starting to get more of a leadership role, but they're still not at that senior decision making role. So again, um, on the sort of small group courses and things we we do, we get people who are directly managing projects and we get people who um, are in other management roles. So, you know, my my expertise is working with managers rather than specifically project managers, but we do get project managers on our on our courses. And of course, with project management, I think some of the things that are working with potentially multidisciplinary teams and um, People are under pressure to deliver because there's often the, the deadlines. Um, often projects involve change. So, you know, you've got the challenge of the different ways that people engage with change. Um, the other thing I see a lot with the newer managers is that stepping up, um, having the confidence and assertiveness to move from somebody who's doing the doing to somebody who is getting something done through other people. And that can involve, you know, a shift of mindset, um, different ways of communicating, um, the inner development that that happens when you're you're a leader and you need to to let go of some things and you need to develop, um, particularly around the communication skills, which is the area I work that interpersonal communication um, to work perhaps in a different way with people. So um, that's probably quite a lot that I've said. So I'll, I'll but you know, lots. That, those are some of just some of the things that I've come across in my career. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's especially when you, you're talking about the um, the stepping up um, from a contributor to a manager um, role. Yeah. And I know I've got some um, 
in fact, that was a Christmas party last night. I was chatting to one of our our, our um, sort of junior project managers and um, just thinking about from their perspective, they're stepping into a role um, and it, it, there's a perception of age as well that you get in organisations where someone has come in, they're moving through those, they're doing some of the smaller projects and delivering some stuff there and they're doing really good work. And it's, I suppose, whereas what's, what would you see as the one, obviously the delegation is probably the skill that, that a lot of them need to yeah. learn. But other than, and I think that one kind of steps out as being a, in quotes, obvious, but people don't realize it's obvious and how to delegate and there's tools to do, but realize that, yeah, you, you can't do it all. But what it, what other things do you see with it, with those more first time managers? And I'm sure there's, I know there's, because one of them was telling me that they would listen to the podcast. So I know there's people who are in that role where they've just started in last six, 12 months as a project manager, as a, a manager, let's forget project manager, as a manager of people. Um, what what couple of things have, have you do you focus on first in helping those people? Well, a model that I find is, is helpful to people stepping into this management role um, is John Adair's three circles model, Um, the task, the team and the individual. Um, And that's because people are often, you know, come from from, from being focused on the task. Um, And clearly that's still important. I mean, leadership 101 is, you know, communicating the the purpose of the team and making sure people know the objectives of what they're going for. But also you've got these other two areas. You've got working with the individuals and for a new manager that may be working with people who have been your peers. Um, it may be working with people if you're managing a project from, from different disciplines. It may be communicating with stakeholders. So, you know, that, that's that's the wider um area of individuals but certainly you're working with the individuals within your team so you need to be having conversations with them you need to be finding out what what motivates them you need to be um becoming aware of their skills and also um what they're interested in we talked earlier about um you know taking on jobs that will develop the skills you want so you know it's being an awareness of where your team members um want to go in the long term can help you with the motivation side um, and also, you need to be aware of the team dynamics and um, potentially, I mean, some of the things that can get in the way of that are people being a little um, nervous of conflict. But actually, if you notice there's something within the team that is getting in the way of performance and it's actually um, due to some sort of conflict between people, um, there may be something that you need to do, whether it's a mediation role in, you know, perhaps a small mediation role or whether it's something with the way you structure your team meetings, you know, very practical things that that you might want to do to help people work together as a team. And I think those three circles just gives you a very simple but powerful map of areas you need to focus. And I think there's a couple of things managers can do. Firstly, think, where am I most comfortable? So am I most comfortable? thinking about tasks and objective and milestones and so forth or am I most comfortable having those coaching conversations um, with individuals or am I really comfortable you know facilitating a team meeting um, supporting that side of it so people will have their own natural areas where they're comfortable and they feel they're skilled so that's the start and it's also so it's partly looking at you where do I need to develop my skills and it's also looking at the team and thinking okay where is there anything out of balance in those three? And if so, is that where I need to focus my energies at the moment? 
Um, so it's, it's, it's a simple model, but I think it's deceptively simple because it can um, well, give, better, give you a bit of a framework. Simpler the model, the better is my mind. Yeah. Um, I think um, I, I've banged on about the disc model on this show multiple mm. times and there's a few different versions of it in many with different words on it in different colours and different things. But um, I, I like that because I, it, it's easy for my brain. I've got to ask two questions. And then I can kind of get a feeling of something and, and it's that modifying yeah. yourself and it's that self-awareness, isn't it? It's planning that and that what you've just said there, that that preference of where you like to be in those different roles will be quite interesting because if you are that task person, you just want to get it done, I'm guessing you get dragged down into doing the stuff for people rather than helping them get it done. And then that's where you you as a manager you'll end up why am i doing not doing that leadership role doing lots of doing alongside the team um and and ending up um just overloaded because you're not doing the things you need to do as a manager in your day you mean you can't do it in your day because you're doing it as well so i I can see that myself i've done it myself i found myself and I do find myself dro- dropping down into things that I really should be turning around and saying, can that person do it? And I have to make myself think about it. Because I was in a conversation like this week, actually. I said, oh, well, I'm just doing that anyway. And they're saying, we shouldn't be doing that. This person's there to do that for you. Yeah, yeah but I can get it done quicker. Yeah, but, <laughs> they, but yeah, and, and, and we all, I think, I think it, I, I assume um, that everyone, at all levels in an organisation, and you'll probably be able to tell me this because you've dealt with people, um, have that problem where the, even it doesn't matter how senior you are, there are certain things that you just let yourself get dragged down into because that's your natural tendency. Is that something you see, do you think? Absolutely. And I, I think there's a couple of things that can help. I mean, firstly, it is just reminding yourself, what is my role as a manager, which is to get things done through other people um and it, it doesn't mean you won't, won't won't be doing things yourself but it's it's just taking a step back and i think this can be particularly prevalent when you've been promoted because you know the you know you are well really well yeah. and you know therefore it's, it's tempting to do it um the other thing I, the, which sort of picks up on that i could do it more quickly myself which is really common particularly when we're talking about delegation um it's me but i believe uh, uh a, a role of the manager is to develop people. So again, it's, is my job to get this done as quickly as possible. And in an emergency, or if you're really up against the deadline, it, you know, it may be fair enough, but it's always worth challenging yourself and saying, actually, or is my job is to equip my team so that more people are able to do this if I fell under the proverbial bus. And, um, you know, if you think about team resilience and creating a team that is not reliant on, on one person, then the more you can do to develop people, um, you know, the more you're going to get better performance as a team in the longer run. Um, and also you're building up um, capacity in the team if, you know, something happens unexpected. So I think it's really reminding yourself your role as the manager is not to do to do everything you are not serving your team and you're not serving you know the project outcomes the stakeholders if that's always your default um so once you recognize it in yourself it's like oh okay i'm going to take a step back and remind myself um, but when you're under pressure you know it's it's a very human 
human thing. So it's, it's it's not about beating yourself up. It's just recognizing, okay, this is a pattern. I need to step back and think, okay, um, how can I develop somebody so they can do it? And is that the best use of my time at the moment? It might take longer, but is it actually in the long term um, the best use of my time? Yeah, I get that. It's kind of, it's that thing where you're sitting there sometimes as well. It's about protecting the team because I find myself doing that. Is that um, there'll be something where uh, we need something done, need something quickly. I know they're busy. I know they've got loads of stuff on. Um, I know that's going to cause. So I'll kind of go. Well, I'll just do it. And and it, I, I never think of that that comment that you just made there. And I've always thought about the fact that delegation is is about coaching about teaching people to do it yes but sometimes we'll do it as it it is in a caring manner to protect people and then if we step back and look at it, actually well we're not helping them develop so therefore we aren't we're not doing the caring thing it seems like the caring thing for your team whereas actually the real caring thing would be let them stretch let them push work with them say look i need you to do this can you get this done I'm busy. Okay, let's work out what you can reshuffle, what you can, and teach them how to do prioritization a bit better, so that then that gives them two sets of skills. There, the thing you're getting them to do, and a way of fitting stuff in and deciding, um, or just coming to me and going, "Well, I don't have time to do it. Which one of the I I've got these things to do. I think that one's the more important one that you've just given me. Are these two? Should I drop that one?" And you, as a manager, would be able to say, "Well, yeah, drop that one. Anyone says anything, talk to me. Tell them, talk to me. I've told you, yes, yeah. it's more private." And, and but having those conversations because it's hard to have those conversations because as an individual, you're thinking, "I need to get all this done." Oh, they've given me something else to. Do. I've got to get all that done. Whereas sometimes you just got to push back and go, or just, you can either push back or you just sit there yourself and go, "Well, I'll take the noise for that. I'll take the noise for not doing that." I won't blame, just say, well, no, I didn't do it. I had other priorities. I had to do it. You don't necessarily turn around and say, the boss gave me something extra to do, so I dropped that. It's just, that's the priority I made. That You can make that priority call, and you just take the flat for it. And if someone wants to escalate it, and you kind of talk to your manager and go, well, I, I made a decision that I needed to do that. I decided not to do that. And then if they say, well, you should have spoke to me first. Okay, fine, but I chose not to. We were kind of grown-ups, aren't we? And sometimes we don't take that... Um, we don't feel we can make that grown-up decision, if you like, and I don't want to belittle that and suggest anything um, where people are being childish. It's just a case of we feel that we have those constraints of we must, whereas actually we can choose and accept consequences. Yeah, and I think listening to you, I think it's a couple of important points. I think one thing when we do... Um, you know, exercises around, you know, what makes a great manager and coming up, uh, a word that often comes up is approachable. So that idea of, um, you know, you're not potentially overloading people, you're, you're giving people and but if, 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 if people know that it's safe to come to you and say, look, I'm just overwhelmed, I can't do everything. Um, you know, is it okay to, to drop this or ask for a bit of support? And I'm going to come back to coaching in a minute, because I think it's really important. So I think it's partly making sure it's okay for people to come to us. Um, the other how thing. Um, if, how do you know if you're approachable? Well, that's a it's a really good question. Um, I think it's really important. One of the things I, I think is really important is to create some psychological safety within a team, and that means a few things. I think if, it means partially not passing blame down, not having a blame culture, but having a 
series where if something goes wrong, it's okay. So let's look at what happened, um, what's some of the root causes of that, um, how might we avoid that in future, you know, what's some of the things we can do differently. So it's it's very much, um, it's avoiding that kind of why did you do that attitude. Um, I think that <laughs> that question why can be a bit loaded. I, I would say with why, it's, it, it's great to apply to a process, you know, what, 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 why didn't this process work? But for an individual, it can be a bit confrontational. So it's like, okay, let's talk through what happened. Okay, what was the thinking behind that? Um, you know, so have those kind of open open conversations. Um, so not pl- passing blame down. Um, really trying not to be judgmental. I mean, one of the things I talk about in my book is the real importance of listening with um, with an open mind, with um, what I call gentle curiosity. So it's not a nosiness so much as just, you know, I'm, I'm genuinely interested in what you think and how you feel about this. Um, so not jumping to conclusions either, not making too many assumptions, but just bringing that, OK, I really genuinely want to understand what happened if something's gone wrong. So that attitude, rather than an attitude of blame, um, you know, trying to to blame people if things go wrong, and you, you you touched on that as well. It's it's not helpful. It's it's about okay, what can we learn from this? How can we, you know, prevent this happening again? Um, and the other thing I think is really important is the sort of coaching element, and at its simplest, um, it's asking a question rather than giving information. And um, a book I recommend on this, you may well have come across it, is The Coaching Habit um, by Michael Bungie-Stenier. And the subtitle is Say Less, Ask More and Change the Way You Lead Forever. And his sort of attitude is, um, as busy managers, you may not have time for long coaching conversations. Yeah. But if somebody comes to you and asks you something and you think that they may have the answer themselves, Clearly, if it's just a piece of factual information, they need you to give it to them. But if they they come to you with a question, you might start with, um, you know, something like, "Okay, well, I've got some ideas. um, But beforehand, you know, you know, what ideas have you had? How might you tackle this if I weren't around? You know, so it's just encouraging people to think something through for themselves, because, of course, as soon as you have to start thinking and articulating what you would do, often, you know, and if you don't, then and you need to come in with some information, then you're actually coming in, giving people something they don't know rather than telling them what they do know. So just those simple asking an open question rather than immediately jumping in and, and trying to be too helpful or too much telling. Yeah, it's hard, that's isn't a, it? That. Yeah. Because I know it's, I've got it's, people. It's who habit. Are, yeah. And, I wanna, you want to fix stuff in, in my brain and I do it with, with um, it, it, it's my default response with a lot of things in in work and family and friends sort of things you want to fix the problem for someone and if you've got an idea how you can fix it and and but it can come across um preachy and and lectury where and, mm. and you're the big i am and know how to fix everything and and i hear myself sometimes and i think i i've got to stop myself because i'm i'm giving too much um to someone who does who, who knows it already like you say and they, they kind of well when they're stuck and they really say they're stuck you can give suggestions but or ask questions that will drive them down that route but it's quite a, it's, it, as you say you've got to think really carefully about your responses really carefully about like you say what they're saying in order to make those responses right and quite often that oh we've got half an hour to talk about something 
oh, that bit of coaching is not going to be done because we talk about something else that's delivery or something like that comes into it. And it, it kind of, it gets muddy, doesn't it? And it's, it's, it's again, it's, we've got to plan to do it and we've got to invest the time in that coaching preparation, that coaching listening. It's, it's something I know that I can improve on. It's one of the areas that I think is one of my next areas of, of uh, focus, I think. Yeah, and, and you know, I was thinking that you know people who become project managers managers are you know tend to be problem solvers, like problem solving, good at problem solving, and that's part of the skill set. But the the skill set of you know listening, of actually being really open to different perspectives, and this um, you know being able to listen without necessarily needing to agree, but to to listen and set your assumptions aside. You know, particularly if you're talking to to stakeholders as well as people in the team, it's open. You know, the open questions, the reflecting back what you're hearing so people can um, know they've been heard. So something like, okay, may I just check I've understood and then just summarising what you've heard or reflecting back a few key words because that helps people feel understood. And I always love um, Stephen Covey's uh, quote, um, seek first to understand, then be understood. Um, So, you know, listen first, understand, and then, um, you know, you can put a different perspective um, but if you've understood where someone's coming from, you know, your your response is going to be um, better for lots of reasons. And partly because you might be thinking differently, having heard what they said, it might shift your thinking. Um, also, it can help you in the way you communicate. You talked about DISC, which I also love as a simple model. Um, so if you get a sense that somebody's got quite a direct style, for example, um, it's a bit of a clue to you that they don't want to hear you do a lot of thinking aloud. You, you, you know, if you can just communicate in a really clear, concise way, that's more likely to get you heard. So it can also give you a sense of how do people communicate and what clues does that give me about how I might communicate better with them? Um, and I know, I mean, I have more of an influence sort of steady style. I'm on that people side and, um, somebody very close to me is very much a, has a direct style. And so I, I've learned that uh, it's not helpful for me to go in and sort of talk aloud to this individual because he will look at me and say, okay, just tell me what you want. So I, I've kind of learned a little bit that I need to do that thinking first. But then if I go in and just say clearly what I want, most of the time I will get it. Yeah. So, you know, I think that the DISC model, I, I, I talk about it in my book, the fairly gen- generic model. And I know there's lots of... Um, different diagnostics arising from it but just the basic model just provides a map doesn't it for recognizing where your style might not be working with others and therefore um how you might make some simple adjustments so that you're you're understood and that's more likely to happen if you've started with genuinely being interested in in the other person whether that's your team member or any other stakeholder that's just yeah it is that tip it's something you can use across any interaction that you've got, isn't it? And it's it, of the first time I ever heard of it was in a family environment. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. And it was, a, it was a father and daughter one, the example that Dr. Robert Ron was talking about. And uh, I found it quite, um, uh, at the time I really thought it was amazing. And then years later, I've got back into that and I and realized and started using it a bit more and thinking about it. And it's, um, it, I've said it on here before and I've said it to other people about what, why I think it works and those kind of models. Simplicity is kind of, it fundamentally it, it helps you realize why you think that person's a dickhead and why they think you're a dickhead. 
and that that's it. It's kind of it just. And once you realise why someone would think you're like that, you can adopt. You can adapt to work along with them. And when they're being <laughs> the way they are, you can sit there and go, "Oh, it's not me that they're having to go at. It's just the or it's not me that they're not that they're behaving in a certain way to me. It's just the way they are. It's like yeah. the whole." Put, someone cutting you up in traffic they don't they don't even know you they don't consider you that they are just all they're considering is they're rushing to get somewhere they're not bothered about whether they cut you up because you're not even a you're not even fact it, we all think everything's around us don't we and actually yeah. you're not even you're not even they're not even considering you as an individual or your your vehicle it's just there's the gap that i'm going for and it's um when you do that, it's hard to do, especially in conversations when you've got email or IM and stuff like that, where the, the infer where you infer meaning, and that meaning comes back on you, uh, where you're going. Well, they're thinking this, and then you have someone else read that same email with different emphasis, and you go, "Oh yeah, maybe maybe that's what they meant." And it, it you don't know, <laughs> you don't know what it is, and that that accept it as it is and then ask another question like you like yeah. you were saying there on email probably isn't a great place but picking up the phone and have the conversation and going not sure what you mean can, can you just explain a little bit can you explain and and try to understand what they mean in that message allows you to do exactly what you said there doesn't it it allows you to get behind that understand what their drivers are and understand what your reaction needs to be whereas sometimes what we do is just have a flame war on email Twitter is the place where you can watch it on a day-to-day basis. And LinkedIn, actually, I find sometimes. Um, there are a few cases where I quite sit there on the sidelines watching a few conversations on there. But it, it is, it is, it's it's that inherent um, assumptions and, and not seeking to understand someone else's point of view and assuming and inferring meaning in their words. It's, it's, yeah. hard, hard, it's a hard lesson to learn, though, I think. Another great sponsor of the show comes in the form of Air Manual. Um, Air Manual is a, well, it's a tool for documenting process, which, um, and best practices, um, uh, it's run, it's it's a company formed by one of my uh, interviewees, uh, Alexis Kingsbury. Um, Essentially, uh, and I kind of summarised why my view of where we see documentation a lot of my experience has been people will document something a process they'll put it in a, a visio diagram that gets loaded onto a SharePoint site or something similar and then a bunch of pro- that so then once that, that diagram has been shared with senior management they're happy they have a process in the business but then the, the detailed procedures underneath it might be in word documents in, uh, just poorly kept and not linked easily and not updated and what Air Manual does it allows you to put in a it's a tool for doing this kind of thing. You whack it in, uh, the service in there, get in there, put in your process, your flow, and you build it down to as low a level of detail, even to the point of checklists where people can check off they've done it. So it creates that um, uh, guided checklists, um, easy to create, easy to maintain, and all in one place. And no one's kind of rooting around to find the SharePoint, and then when you change to new SharePoint services and all that stuff, it, it's all there. So if you pop along to nigelpreeser.com slash airmanual 
um, there's a bit more detail there and a link there to click on to um, go and get. I think uh, they offer a trial and things like that. So uh, uh, it uh, it it's something that I think uh, can easily um, reduce the amount of errors, rework, etc. within our organisation. So um, yeah, take a look. you're thinking oh I wonder what the next bit's gonna be yeah it's frustrating isn't it um you heard at the beginning of the show where I said uh, there's a way around that so if you're really itching and you want to hear the next bit of uh, this show uh jump down to patreon have a look find the one that's got a little lock on it click on it and you'll be able to get the second half uh, along with the first half all together and you, you won't get this annoying bit or the annoying bit at the beginning that I just uh, done as well. Um, so, yeah, give it a go. It's only a price of a coffee. Cheers. So this is my final wrap up. Every week you're going to hear this. You're going to get bored of it, but. You can always click next podcast if so. Um, if you have enjoyed it, if you've listened to this podcast to the end of this uh, show and you think that was great, I'd love to be able to help Nigel out. Um, there are loads of ways you can do it. Um, the, the first and, and obvious way is to um, share the podcast, send it out to people. Um, if you if you know colleagues and friends who'd benefit from it, you think they'd enjoy it, just send them the link grab one of the links send, or send them to www.nigelcreaser.com slash podcasts that's ni- www.nigelcreaser.com slash podcasts and that will push them over to a um a link tree link and it's got all of the different ways they can consume the the podcast uh if you are feeling generous and have a big bag of cash you could grab a copy of one of my books obviously um uh, they're available in all the usual places and print and, and, and digital again jump on the website uh, www.nigelcreaser.com slash shop and that will give you a list of all the different ways that you can contribute um, and, and grab copies of the book also got um, links to all my guests books on there as well where I get a little bit of a kickback from them um, if you are of a sporting mind um I have a number through doing some of my uh, judo and and running uh, antics. Uh, I've managed to secure a few um, uh, affiliate links and affiliates uh, there as well. So in there, somewhere in the sponsors page, there's links to those as well. So clicking onto those and grabbing uh, your, if you're with it, if you're looking to uh, get super fit, then that would be fabulous as well. And I get a little kickback from those. Uh, I have a Patreon account. It's patreon.com slash sundaylunchpm. Uh, so again, you can ping something in there, buy me a coffee or whatever. And finally, obviously the most important is coming back. Coming back, listen again. Um, because uh, the more of you that come back, uh, the more uh, visibility I get because there's more times that it's downloaded and all the SEO works and things like that. So yeah, that's it. So uh if you can help me out 
I would be much appreciated. If you can't, don't worry about it. Thank you very much. Cheers now. Bye. My latest, uh, the, the, the latest uh, affiliate that I've got on the show now is Riverside. Um, I use Riverside to do my interviews, Riverside FM. Um, <clears throat> it kind of offers you a whole, if you like, micro studio management producer tool and, and, and goes beyond that. Has a really good free layer. <clears throat> and I, um, I've been using it for a while now. I find it really good when I've had issues, even though I'm not on one of the higher paid levels, the support has been quick, responsive and, and, and of high quality and, and people keen to help me. Uh, the organization seems really good. The product seems really intuitive um, and uh, quality is really good as well. And they, it's, it's a clever way of doing it is when you're, you're recording through your browsers, so you're not got loads of desktop resources being used compared to some other products that I've used. Um, and what they also do is they do a, um, they stream a, a lower quality version of it up onto uh, as you're doing the interview, so you're not burning bandwidth while you're doing the interview and potentially uh, impacting on the quality of the conversation. Uh, and then at the end, it uploads it, uh, the, the higher quality from your browser. Um, I mean, it, it's just a really good way of doing it. So um, if you are um, thinking of doing a podcast and you're doing a podcast, I, I would recommend using this tool. I found it really good. Best, best of the tools that I've tried using um, today. And you can get that nigelcreaser.com slash riverside and that will redirect you to uh, my kickback page uh, on their site and there I will get a little kickback uh, from them. So um, take a look. Thanks. Well, it's goodbye from me, Nigel Creaser, and it's goodbye from him, the Sunday Lunch PM. Goodbye. <laughs>